Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. And joining me is Billboard's deputy editor, Digital Katie Atkinson. <laughs> Hello, Keith. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. It's our first show back after the... New Year. 2018. Woo! Woo! And so much has <laughs> happened in the past week. Um, and we'll be talking about every single thing that's happened in music. All things pop. Actually, probably not every single thing, but you get the <laughs> idea. Um, because, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about how the Greatest Showman soundtrack tops the Billboard 200 chart, marking the 10th soundtrack to lead the list in the last five years. Over on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, Bruno Mars's Finesse debuts, aided by its new remix featuring Cardi B., does it have its sights set on number one? Hmm. <laughs> and finally, Christmas is really, really, really over with on the charts. Oh, I know. Hi, Christmas. I like. I want. I want Christmas to hang around a little bit longer. Um, as there's just one single holiday album left on the Billboard 200. What is it? Well, you think about that, and we'll tell you about it in just a little bit. Plus, we'll be talking about the big winners at the Golden Globe Awards and what they can mean for the upcoming Academy Awards. Plus, who could snag an Oscar nomination for Best Original Song? Hmm. In addition, the Coachella lineup was unveiled last week, and it's quite pop, headlined by The Weeknd, Beyonce, and Eminem. It's very R&B hip-hop. Yeah. Not so pop. <laughs> well, I mean, it's very Hot 100. It's very Hot 100, yes. Uh, and... And most importantly, <laughs> Justin Timberlake dropped a new single and a new video, announced his new album, and a tour all in one week, a.k.a. Katie's best week ever. Yeah. What do we think about the new song? Stay tuned to find out. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard... Visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Okay, so let's run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts right now. Number one, the Greatest Showman soundtrack climbs to number one on the Billboard 200, marking a rare rise to number one on the chart. And I'll tell you what that means in just a second. Number two, Bruno Mars and Cardi B team up for a fine debut on the Hot 100 as Finesse arrives on the chart. And number three, while Christmas is fully behind us, there's still one lone festive holiday album clinging to the <laughs> Billboard 200 chart. What is it? We'll tell you in a moment. What is clinging? What is clinging? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I want to make some sort of like holiday pun involving the word clinging. Oh. 
the what? decorations are still hanging around the house. No, that doesn't really work. What 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 album is still decorating the Billboard 200? <laughs> um, okay, first up, there's some razzle dazzle at number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart as a soundtrack to The Greatest Showman climbs from number five to number one in its fourth week on the list. The set is the first soundtrack to top the tally since last March, when Fifty Shades Darker spent a week at number one, and. Showman is the first musical soundtrack at number one since Disney Channel's TV movie Descendants saw its companion album spend a week at number one in 2015. Uh, The Greatest Showman earned 106,000 equivalent album units in the week ending January 4th, according to Nielsen Music, and that's up 37% compared to the previous week. Um, And I think it's the only album that actually has a gain in the top 10 this week, by the way, Um, which is not terribly unusual for this time of year as Mm. the chart readjusts back to normal after Christmas. Yeah. Um, The surge for the soundtrack follows the album's big jump from number 63 to number five last week, um, following the movie's release in U.S. theaters on December 20th. Have you seen the movie yet? I haven't. I haven't either. It doesn't. Sorry, Greatest Showman, but it didn't look that in me, who I enjoy musicals, it didn't look that interesting to yeah, me. I'm with you on that. Is I it, feel bad. Is it getting good reviews? I don't think it really I is. I mean, it got some Golden Globes attention. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of mediocre like movies think, get Golden Globe nominations. I'd like nominations. to think that it means something. Um, uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> moving on. Sorry, fans yeah, of right? Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so it could be fantastic. It, it may be amazing. <laughs> I mean... Who doesn't love Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron singing and dancing around? Seriously. Yeah. Um, Well, notably, the album is the first to climb to number one in a year. Now, normally albums that are number one on the chart are number one because they debuted at number one. So um, it's unusual to see an album actually debut at a lower rank and move up the chart. Uh, The last time it happened was uh, a year ago, basically, when Pentatonix's A Pentatonix Christmas um, hit number one in its ninth week on the chart on the list dated January 7th, 2017, which actually reflected, like, the week leading up to Christmas. Right. Which makes sense because everyone's listening to Christmas music from Pentatonix. Of course. Leading up to Christmas. And at that point, it was still a brand new album. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um, next up, Bruno Mars's latest single, Finesse, gets a new remix, co-starring Cardi B. Uh, the track, which debuted on Thursday, January 4th, in its new remixed form, um, alongside its throwback in living color-inspired music video, debuts on the pop song's airplay chart at number 28 and also arrives on the Hot 100 from just one day of impact last Thursday. Because the Hot 100 uh, tracking week... Well, it's com- complicated and weird. But it's this. very surprising that it was released on Thursday. When they could to have be just completely fair. maximized their potential and mm-hmm. just done it on Friday, but whatever. Um, the track is originally from Mars's 24 Carat Magic album, which came out a little more than a year ago in December of 2016. Uh, the song is sure to climb next week, considering its debut is fueled really just by one day of the remix. Yeah. Um, on the Pop Songs Airplay chart, that actually has, uh, like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday has, like, four days of mm-hmm. airplay because the pop songs airplay chart is on a Monday through Sunday schedule, whereas the Hot 100 um, chart has sales and streams that run on a Friday to Thursday schedule, but airplay that runs Monday through Sunday. So 
We will be quizzing you on this. Yeah. Write all that down. <laughs> it's a good way to start the new year, reminding people of this, though, because we talk about it a lot. This is the stuff that I just, this is, this is our This is life. Keith's life. This is my life. Just, this is stuff that I talk about all the time. <laughs> um, so Finesse actually now features an introductory verse from Cardi, as well as some uh, Hype Man style echoing later in the track. They got it going on, got it going on. Got it going on, got it going on. <laughs> um and notably, the track is now credited to Bruno Mars and Cardi B. It is not Bruno Mars featuring Cardi B, even though her contributions to the song are probably the same amount that a normal feature. This rapper just would get. proves the like rising star of Cardi B, though. Also helps that Cardi B and Bruno Mars are on the same record label. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that so it's it's you know it's all family. Made it easier to negotiate that sort of sibling familial they kind of feel like brother and sister actually yeah they're atlantic brother and sisters yeah oh, that's nice huh. <laughs> um well uh this is uh mars's 18th entry on the pop songs chart and 22nd debut on the hot 100 and it follows his previous 24 karat magic hits versace on the floor that's what i like in 24 karat magic could finesse rise to number one on the hot 100 in the coming weeks well, if so, it would give Mars his eighth number one and Cardi B her second. Fun fact, Finesse is Cardi B's sixth Hot 100 hit in less than six months. Her debut, uh, Bodak Yellow Money Moves, arrived last July. So that's uh, August, September, October, November, December, January. Yep, six months. And topped the chart in October. And since then, she's notched two more top tens. Uh, along with three more charting hits, including Finesse. She's been a very busy lady. Yes. Yeah. It's been a good year for Cardi B. Absolutely. Lastly, Christmas is super duper, totally dunzo (laughs) on the charts, as there's just one holiday album left on the Billboard 200 chart. Would you like to take a guess as to what it is? And I'll give you a hint. We Mm. may have mentioned it earlier Mm. in the show. Well... (laughs) I believe we mentioned uh, Pentatonix. That's right. <laughs> uh, the Pentatonix album, A Pentatonix Christmas, falls from number six to, wait for it, number 200. Oh, wow. Um, Barely the, hanging yeah, out. The very last position on the chart. Um, in fact, the album earns the largest positional decrease in the history of the list. It surpasses the 190 slot drop of Bee Gees's Bee Jesus? <laughs> Jay-Z Bee Jesus? The Bee Jesus. <laughs> Bee Gees. The Bee Gees. Number ones. <laughs> I got it. Back in 2012. It's hard um, to say a plural possessive there. Uh, I, it's Bee Gees. It's hard to say pentatonics. Is. <laughs> pentatonics is a pentatonics Christmas, and the Bee Jesus is number ones. Is. The number ones is. is. Um, uh, so the Bee Gees number ones greatest hits album back in 2012 um, hit number five. And I, th- I think it might have even actually. I'm not even sure if it rose to number five that week because I don't have it in front of me. I think it might have actually re-entered the chart at number five or debuted at number five, all because the Google Play Store discounted it for like basically nothing mm. for a limited time, mm-hmm. and it shot to number five. And then the following week, when it was no longer on sale, the album fell to 195 or something. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens every January. We see on the charts Christmas albums either just fall off the chart entirely, yeah, or they cling on, yeah, at a lower rung. You're still you're still there, Pentatonix. Well, which is what is interesting is that this this sale this chart week this the, for the Billboard 200 is just reflecting the activity in the week ending 
January 4th. So it's really activity from December 29th? So it's post-Christmas. Totally post-Christmas. December 29th through January 4th. So that just speaks to the popularity of pentatonics Mm -hmm. and their music in general. That yeah, because most we, of those radio stations are just switching back to, to whatever their format was before. Yeah, and well, this has nothing, nothing to do with radio. Oh, right, right. Um, this is what you're playing around the house yeah. or you're buying. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, it just means that Pentatonix has more sort of contemporary fans that are probably just pumping their jams around New Year's. Yeah. As opposed to, say, Bean Crosby. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> go Pentatonix. Should we talk some of the biggest headlines over on Billboard.com? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then Thanks let's move everybody. on. See you next week. <laughs> um, yes, Katie. Yes, um, let's please. Obviously, Keith, we have to start with the biggest news of all. Justin <laughs> Timberlake is back with brand new music. Uh, last week, JT dropped Filthy, the lead single from his upcoming fifth studio album, Man of the Woods, dropping February 2nd. For months, we've seen photos of Justin in the studio with Pharrell and Timbaland. Not to mention the announcement that he'll perform at Super Bowl halftime next month. So it was clear new music was probably on the horizon. Uh, and it is here. So let's start with Filthy. There's lots of news to digest here. But like, let's start with this song and video. Keith, have you heard and seen this new Justin? Uh, yes. Okay, so we can, we can have a conversation here. Full disclosure, Katie yes. and I will often talk about lots of things outside of the show. In preparation for the show, but this we actually did not talk about at all. This is all fresh. Um, I heard the song and saw the video all at the same time. Yes, yeah, same. I, I did it. I just it just came out concurrently. That's it right. Did. It did. Yeah. So um, the song just kind of sits there for me. Okay. Um, I don't dislike it, but I don't remember how it goes. Really? Yeah. See, that's very different for me because for me, I've been singing it like for the last however many days. Really? Maybe I, I need to listen to it again. I've but, listened to it a lot of times. I though. listened to it like one and a half times. Yeah, I would <laughs> give it another go. But, um, you know, I actually, uh, I ranked all of Justin's singles on Billboard.com. Shocking. Actually, two you? years ago when Can't Stop the Music came out, or okay. a year and change ago. So you've only had to update it with one new song. I updated it with Filthy, and um, while my first impressions of this song were very good, I... I really like the the sound of filthy and i was kind of over the you know the kind of crooner justin of the 2020 era Mm -hmm. so i was happy to hear kind of that future sex love sounds vibe come back which is definitely has that kind of future sex love sounds kind Kind of of robotic space space age r&b funk totally going on totally so like the sound of it i'm like 100 percent on board with and i really wasn't expecting it after the album title was announced (laughs) man of the woods well the teaser for the album was just like so Justin's going on a hike, <laughs> and well, that's it. And it's all uh, very earth tones, and him in like a hunting jacket. We knew and, that Chris Stapleton was going to be featured on the album, and I just everyone was thinking Justin goes country, yeah, like, and then Filthy comes out, like, and it's oh, like not so much exactly. And you know we haven't heard the rest of the album yet, so maybe the rest of it is all rootsy and folksy, and we'll get there. And this is kind of the red his herring. introduction slash transition into that era Hmm. but i that was a pleasant surprise for me however in my ranking it ended up uh at number 11 out of 19 so this is you think it's this 11th best single straight up middle of the road number 11 out of all 19 of justin timberlake songs that have hit the pop songs chart so what's it in between at 
10 and it 12. It is sandwiched between um, Until the End of Time. That's Do you 10. remember that? That's 10. That's the Beyonce duet. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, well, he, he it, added it became Beyonce. became a Beyonce. Yeah. Oh, that Beyonce just jumping on people's ah, heads. And then, yes, I, more recently, she's really been doing that. And then uh, Mirrors is the one after it, which I'm oh. not a huge fan of, but a lot of people really like. Yeah. So I think mm. a lot of people put Mirrors in their top 10, but for me, I've always thought it was sort of an indulgent single and didn't really care for it. I um. Uh, the video for Filthy is pretty spectacular. Yes. Um, and I think that's probably why the song, because I was so into the video that the music itself, to me, afterwards, I'm like, I was so distracted by the video. Yeah. The music ended up being more like score to a film. You know, I think that that is totally fair. And it almost it, it almost is like more of like a an EDM song in the sense that the production is the star of that song. Like Justin is known for like writing super fun lyrics and the lyrics are really take backseat on this song. It's all about the sound of the song right. more than anything else, which is why it's not like my favorite thing. Right. The video is like uh, basically Justin Timberlake plays a Steve Jobs like um uh, kind of tech guru. Tech guru. Yeah. I mean, it looks very much like an Apple presentation to um, some sort of like Asian conference, um, and it's set somewhere in Asia. And he introduces a uh, robot where it looks kind of like the robot is doing dancing that Justin is doing sort of backstage. And it the robot is so convincing where you're. I was like, is this is this like a CGI thing or is it part? like an actual thing that they have you seen the um behind the scenes? instagram thing that he nope. posted so it is cgi it's it's him literally in like the motion capture little balls on oh. a suit doing dancing and then being animated into oh, okay. that robot so that robot is justin mark romantic directed the video um and uh, i think he's directed justin before yeah he did he did the can't stop the feeling video which doesn't make sense when you look at Mark Romanek's sort of It's probably not the first thing he'd put on his resume, but he also directed the uh, um, video for Johnny Cash's Hurt, the cover of the Nine Inch Nails song. And also Madonna's Bedtime Story. Yep. And Nine Inch Nails is Closer. And he's done um, uh, a lot of these new Jay-Z videos that have come out. He did that... um, Oh, he didn't the, do Family Feud, but he, that's what Ava DuVernay did. He did, the did. One? He did yeah, the Friends one, which is... The name of which escapes me. It's all right. right. But yeah, Mark Romanek has directed like a, a boatload of videos going back to like the 1990s. Yeah. Um, I, I might be reading too much into this, but I really get the vibe from the, the lyrics of the song and from the video that he was kind of over people telling him what they expected him to do as a pop star and basically treating him like a pop robot. Oh. And being like, you know, pull the strings. Like, why don't you just do exactly what you did before to, like, have these hits and whatever. Like, when he has the line, um, baby, would you like if I do exactly what you like times two? Like, basically, you want me to just do the same shit again? You know? And then they, you know, he's, like, back there just, like, dancing and doing, like, for controlling those, a robot. For those of you expecting Can't Stop the Feeling Part 2, you're not going to get it. Exactly. And I kind of feel like that's the, like, I don't no know how much. Attached, people. Ah, I don't know how much more of, of this sound we're going to hear. Like, I kind of think that this is him kind of being like, oh, you want future sex love sounds again? I'll give you this. And then the rest of it's going to be something completely different. Yeah, I'll give you this. But even this isn't that actually, like, obviously a hit. Yeah. Like, this is not 
a surefire hit. Oh no, it, and it, it's <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird song, like, but in a great way in my mind. Um, well, w- w- this will dovetail into a chart moment. Yeah, we we were just talking about the pop songs chart and how it uh you know starts earlier than the Hot 100 does. Right. So uh, we already have how many days of tracking for Filthy? When did it come out? It came out on like midnight Thursday night Friday morning. Three days. Three days of tracking. So we have Friday Saturday. So Sunday. what do we know so far? Keith? Debuts at number twenty three on the pop songs airplay chart, uh, dated January thirteenth, which is this week's chart. If you're listening to our show when it comes out. Um, and that has three days of airplay because it reflects the tracking week that ended on January 7th. Um, so it, likely the song will have a huge jump next week when it has full seven days of tracking. Um, Filthy actually has the highest pop songs debut since Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do uh, debuted at number 21 um, in September of last year. And of course, the song went on to hit number one. Um, in October. Okay, I guess we can move on from Justin now. Um, let's go on to uh, some more big music news from last week. The 2018 Coachella lineup. Now, we already knew Beyonce would be headlining this year thanks to her cancellation at last year's festival because of her pregnancy. But the two-weekend festival confirmed last week that The Weeknd and Eminem would join her as fellow headliners. This is undoubtedly the poppiest or, you know, most mainstream or most radio-friendly Coachella lineup of all time. Like, stuff that you would actually see at the top of the Hot 100 charts. Right now. Right now. Yeah, because we've had Prince, you know, for instance, headline. Radiohead. But, like, you know, 25 years later. And, yes, exactly. That sort of thing. Depeche Mode. Yes. Mm. Uh, So last year, two out of the three headliners, Lady Gaga and Kendrick Lamar, represented pop and hip-hop and very current music. Um, with Radiohead flying the rock banner as the third headliner. And it seems this year kind of completes the transition to full-on, like, no rock at the top of the poster, which is is kind of crazy. Um, Keith, you know, you're a Southern California yeah. uh, music journalist. Uh, what do you think about this lineup after seeing just decades of, or decades, almost two decades of Coachella lineups? It's weird when you look at the Coachella lineup from, you know, whatever it was, like 20 years ago. It was very much like... Bjork, Paul McCartney, um, you know, Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, I don't know if Nine Inch Nails played it. but No, I mean, all of those are exactly right. Um, playing Coachella. And it's just, there's not a single rock act. And even even below the top, the top headliner act for each day, it's not, to me, like super duper compelling. Yeah. Um, and I, that could be just me and my taste in music. Um but I think it's just, I think it speaks to where we are at right now in pop music and what the promoters and bookers of Coachella are trying to sort of do with curating the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and also maybe they're thinking, well, we could have put in like a heritage rock act in there on one of the days, but maybe they're holding that heritage rock act back for, say, the next time they do Desert Trip. Because yeah. Desert Trip, which is promoted by the same people that do Coachella, happened last year, right? It was last year. It was... Last m- summer? Might have been the year before last. It was, yeah, 2016. And it was Paul McCartney and, uh, you know, Bob Neil Dylan, Young, Neil Bob, Young, yep. uh, the whole show. Roger Waters. And, you know, maybe you know, maybe they're like, well, we could put someone in sort of the heritage slot at Coachella in 2018, or we could hold on to that 
and keep them for the next desert trip. Could be. I mean, the, a few years ago, we've we've had we had Guns and Roses headline. We had ACDC headline. These are all like three and four years ago. Uh, you know, maybe they just felt like you know we don't have a because Guns and Roses that was a show that was a reunion. Yeah. With Slash and Duff, and mm-hmm. so that had a really strong hook to it. Yeah. Um, and you know, having like Prince or Paul McCartney play is just such a like a no brainer. And you know. Coachella could also be counted on as like sort of a, oh, this is a sort of an alternative act from the 80s or the 90s that's coming back to play for the first time in a long time. And that hasn't happened in a moment. Yeah. So maybe they're just like, look, that kind of thinking is out the window now. Yeah. Like this is where we are at now. Um, I do have to say, I really want Lady Gaga to show up and sing Telephone with Beyonce. Ah, there would be a lot of people wanted Beyonce at like you know whatever she was seven months pregnant to show up last April, which seemed very unlikely. Yeah. This would be a little bit more likely. Yeah. I could see this happening for unless, sure, unless Lady Gaga gets pregnant. <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, who knows? Um, all right, so the final topic of the day: um, the Golden Globes kicked off the 2018 award season on Sunday night, and three billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, led all films with four wins. Is it outside Ebbing, Missouri? Yep. Yeah. Well, Big Little Eyes ruled TV, also taking home four prizes. There were a lot of Pop Shop favorites nominated this year, including Nick Jonas, Mariah Carey, and Mary J. Blige for music and acting. But they all went home empty-handed with This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. There's The Greatest Showman again, Hmm. taking home Best Original Song for Ben Pasek and Justin Paul. Um, so did you watch last night, Keith, or Sunday night, I should say? I watched some of it. Okay. I I watched, like, like an hour and a half okay. ish. And I saw the opening monologue from Seth Meyers. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I thought it was an enjoyable show. Um, uh, my particular favorite film, call me by your name, uh, which, which listeners nom- know is your favorite, <laughs> which was nominated by, uh, for three awards, actually lost all three for best uh, motion picture drama, best actor and best supporting actor. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> they still have the Oscars. They still have the Oscars that are coming up. And uh, indeed, the Academy Awards uh, nominations voting is happening as we record this show. Um, voting opened on January 5th and runs through January 12th. Um, do we think the Globes shed any light on possible likely contenders for the Oscars, specifically in the Best Original Song category. I would say somewhat. Somewhat? Yeah. But not so much? I mean, I don't think it's going to be a carbon copy of what uh, mm. the Globes nominated. No. Um, but I would say that the winner, the um, song This Is Me, has a pretty good shot considering of the caliber of the two songwriters who did so well with La La Land previously. That's true. Um, I looked at some recent history at the Globes in the Best Original Song category, and uh, from 2013 through 2017, meaning the awards that were presented in those years for the previous year's films, four of the five Globe winners all went on to win the Oscar for Best Original Song. The only Oscar winner that did not win a Globe was, strangely enough, the inescapable Let It Go from Frozen. It was beat at the Globes by U2's Ordinary Love, from Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. That is truly shocking. Um, the Globes like their pop stars. Yes. Um, that said, between 2013 and 2017, while four of the five Globe winners also went on to win the Oscar, there wasn't a huge amount of overlap between the Globe nominees and the Oscar nominees in this category. In total, just 10 
of the 25 Globe-nominated songs became Oscar nominees. Um, And in that span of time, there were only 24 Oscar nominees for Best Original Song, as one of the years, uh, there were only four nominees instead of the usual five. I think that was that one year when one of the songs got disqualified. Oh, yeah, I remember that. After some weird sort of rule kerfuffle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure of the 10 thing. It's either 10 or 9, but I'm pretty sure it's 10. I've now suddenly had like a, did I count correctly? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I counted correctly. Um, but so, yeah, uh, let's start with this. Who of this year's Globe-nominated songs do we think are shoo-ins for an Oscar nomination? And... As Katie just said, probably this is me um, because it was written by um, Binge Pasek and uh, is it Justin? Justin Paul, thank you, um, from The Greatest Showman, and they won a year ago for City of Stars <laughs> from La La Land. Yeah, so it makes sense that the repeat, you know, the winners of last we year, we feel good about that one in a movie that is a musical, um, makes sense. Um, what about the other four nominees from the Golden Globes this year? We've got Home from Ferdinand, Mighty River from Mudbound, Remember Me from Coco, and The Star from The Star. Well, two stick out to me. They would be Remember Me from Coco yeah, because of the uh, combo of Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Who wrote Let It Go. Exactly. And then Mighty River, just because I think Mary J. Blige is kind of an awards favorite and Mudbound is getting a lot of great attention. I don't know if she'll repeat her acting nomination so with the Oscars. This could be a consolation Oscars, prize. But I think the original song is a good chance. Um, well, I think This Is Me and Rem- Remember Me um, are the likely two. I'm not sure if Mighty River from Mudbound will actually get a nomination. Um, But, as you said, maybe it could because everyone's loving Mary. But I think Mudbound, the only nomination that people seem to be thinking it could get is Is his her for Best Supporting Actress. I I don't know what other nominations it will get. So it's one of those films where its only hope is Mary J. Blige. Um, I could be wrong. It's a good hope, Um, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good hope. (laughs) Um, what other songs that were not Globe nominated do we think of that have a shot at the Oscar nomination? Um, I consulted the Hollywood Reporter's awards expert Scott Feinberg um, and his latest forecast for the Oscars, which he wrote the day before voting opened. Um, and he thinks both This Is Me and Remember Me will get nods, along with Evermore, which was written by Alan Minken and Tim Rice from Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it Ain't Fair from uh, Detroit, and it was written by The Roots. And Stand Up for Something, written by Diane Warren, who's been nominated a bunch of times but never won. And Common, who has won an Academy mm-hmm. Award, um, from the movie Marshall. So what about I Don't Want to Live Forever from Fifty Shades Darker, which Taylor Swift co-wrote with Jack Antonoff and Sam Dew? Does the fact that it's from like a not great movie work against it? Mm, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't hurt The weekend as he got a nomination with Earned It from the first Fifty Shades uh, movie. Yeah. Um, So I Don't Want to Live certainly has a shot. um, But, I mean, it's still from Fifty Shades Darker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, you know, bad movies have gotten nominations in the song category before. And, like, you know, sort of mediocre movies get, like, technical categories. Like sound effects editing sometimes or special visual effects. Totally. Yeah. so, yeah. And back to your favorite, Call Me By Your Name. Yes. Uh, what about Sophia and Steven's songs from the movie? Um, well, the weird thing here is that he has two songs from the movie that are in contention. Mm. And, and they're they're both plausible nominees. Um, but they could also cancel one another out, um, which would totally suck for him and the yeah. movie. 
Um, but it seems like the powers that be are positioning um, the mystery of love as the key track from Call Me By Your Name. And it gets a pretty sizable placement in an important scene in the movie. Um, and they actually just released a music video for the song um, last Friday on the first day oh, of Oscar voting. Definitely pushing that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though the video doesn't have anything really new in it. It's just like scenes from the movie. Right. right. Al- along with some like weird arty shots of statues in a museum. Sure. But there's no, there's nothing of Sufian right. in, in it or any like new footage. He doesn't really like to be front and center, that guy. He's he's, he's not, that's the other thing that also could kind of potentially hurt Yeah, him. he's not he's gonna not, get out there. He's not doing press, really. Yeah, yeah, like, that's he's, true. He's not, he's not working the press like, say, Mariah Carey might be. Oh, oh Mariah. Oh, Mariah. Um, so I guess we'll find out when the Oscar nominations uh, arrive on January 23rd, so stay tuned. And now... It's time for the chart stat of the week. 26 years ago this week, Nirvana's Nevermind bumped Michael Jackson's Dangerous from number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Um, it's a very big deal when you bump the king of pop from the top of the chart. That really speaks to like that particular like musical shift yes. at that moment. It was a very interesting moment in time. Um, on the Billboard 200, dated January 11th, 1992, Nevermind knocked Dangerous down to number five on the list after four straight weeks at number one. And Dangerous actually debuted at number one. Um, and of course, Dangerous was Michael's first album since Bad in 1987 or something. So, you know, there was so much interest in Michael Jackson. He was, he, at that point, was the king of pop. He was coronated the king of pop. And then along comes Nirvana, mm-hmm. this alternative rock band with this crazy weird hit single, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and suddenly bumps Michael Jackson out of number one. And there were so many stories in Billboard magazine around those weeks saying how the industry was just like, gobsmacked yeah by this and how it was just like what the heck just happened yeah and it was no fluke yeah and you know what happened was that um this isn't on the script i've just gone off script but what happened was how you know how can this happen how can nirvana bump michael jackson from number one well what happens in january or at least used to happen in the past and we kind of see it to a certain degree now on the charts is that leading up to christmas the stuff that does really well on the charts, especially on the sales charts in mm-hmm. the olden days, were things that parents and grandparents would be buying for their kids and grandkids mm-hmm. as Christmas gifts and mm-hmm. stocking stuffers. And everyone was buying the Michael Jackson album because it just made sense. Like, oh, I don't know what little Johnny wants for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, get him the new Michael Jackson mm-hmm. album. Everyone loved Michael. Yeah. What then happens is that after Christmas... Johnny and all of his friends take the Michael Jackson album that they didn't want. Return it. Return it and get Nirvana or NWA or the Black Crows or whatever was else out the time. Yeah. And then Nirvana hit number one. Wow. So it wasn't all completely that. Yeah. But there was certainly a certain amount of that that was happening. Wow. And you kind of see it on the charts actually this week on our charts where a lot of hip hop moves up the charts as Christmas stuff jumps off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. So um, never mind. Knock Dangerous uh, down to number five on the list that week. And um, Nirvana, which obviously is a Seattle-based band, uh, they rose to number one in the wake of the success of its crossover hit single, Smells Like Teen Spirit, which reached number one on the Alternative Songs airplay chart the previous November. And of course, had its surreal music video that was in heavy rotation on MTV. That certainly helped the cause as well. The success of Nevermind ushered in the so-called grunge rock era, which trained a spotlight on the Pacific Northwest music scene and helped pave the way for number one albums from groups like Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden, all of which also came from Seattle. 
So uh, Nirvana would reach number one again with its 1993 follow-up album In Utero, but the band's career was cut short by the suicide of the charismatic but tortured Kurt Cobain, uh, the band's frontman, on April 5th, 1994. Since then, Nirvana has topped the Billboard 200 twice more, with two live albums that were recorded before Cobain's death. MTV Unplugged in New York and From the Muddy Banks of the Wishka. So there you have it. Back in 1992, Nirvana's Nevermind hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Okie dokie. We've reached the end of a rather sizably long show. <laughs> um, well, you had a lot to say after being gone for a few weeks. Strangely, I say that it's long, but it's actually about the same length as a normal show. Oh. It just seems longer because we don't have um, a special guest interview. So we're just talking. It's just a lot of us yammering. It's just a lot of us yammering about Justin Timberlake's single, really, right, is right. what's happening. Oh, here. hey. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, well, uh, tell us, before we move on to Parting Words, um, uh, tell us what you guys think might get a nomination for Best Original Song. We had some people um, tweet at us. Yes. Um, and suggest, uh, some of their suggestions were The Mystery of Love mm-hmm. from Call Me By Your Name. Um, someone suggested Mariah Carey's track, mm-hmm. The Star, which I don't think will happen because I'm not sure anyone has actually seen The Star. Mariah fans are still holding out hope. The, the Lamely is in full effect. <laughs> yes. um, um, and we also had another person tweet at us uh, this morning before we recorded the show that thought Evermore had a great shot, which yeah. I think makes total sense because it's Beauty and the Beast, it's a musical, it's Tim Rice, it's Alan Minkin. Yeah. It makes perfect this is sense. Oscar royalty. So who else do you guys think? Um, could be those songs, could be some other things that we're not thinking of. There's a whole bunch of songs that are eligible. What do you think might get nominated? Uh, tweet us and let us know. Um, and uh, yeah, now do we have any parting words? Um, well, all that talk of Michael Jackson's Dangerous made me start just humming Remember the Time in my head, so I think that needs to be our parting song today. All right. We will uh, see you guys next week. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.